to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rocking about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. A scientific fact. They were all up in your face. It's time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. All new for 2023. Yeah. How about that, huh? Uh, ninth, ninth year of the show? Is that right? That can't possibly be right. No, I think that's right. Uh, very excited to, uh, bring you a bunch of new episodes coming up, including the one right now, uh, with Mr. Mario Lolly. Very excited to talk to this guy. He's done it all. He is a legend in DIY and in music, and uh, you'd like to think those things intersect. We'll be talking to him shortly about Fatso Jetson, Rubber Snake Charmers, probably some Yanni Man. I'm sure the word generator will be used once in a while. Uh, good food, good riffs. But first, before we do literally any of that, welcome, 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 welcome to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Kona Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 23 years, most known for the band Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and I use the format of this long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks, there may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 318. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonicreversal.com, and they're always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But if you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. And if you like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. All right, so without further ado, let's uh, let, let, let's bring in all the way live from the desert, uh, Mr. Mario Lally. Mario, I spy a boomer. Hi, Conan. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. You sound great, man. Good. Uh, so great to have you, How's man. Going? Uh, great. I was gonna say, a long time no see. <laughs> it's only been like a month, <laughs> but. How did the show with yes. Gibby go? You guys, uh, Fatso Jetson, uh, was Rubber Snake Charmers? Rubber Snake Charmers. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. played a pretty cool show. Can you uh, tell a little about that show? I think it's kind of a cool conceit that he's doing. Oh, it's it was insane, especially to do on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the venue, and I think that the, the the attendees had no idea what they were in for with that thing. He's, <laughs> he, he's doing, he's one of the artists 
right. that has uh, enlisted in a in a program with the original School of Rock, um, Paul Green from New York, uh, extended this 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 experience for the students to actually get out and go on the road with different professional artists. And um, I'm not sure how the selection process goes, but yeah. to pick Gibby Haynes and Butthole <laughs> Surfers, I mean, most, I've been around, my kids both, you know, yeah, they play. grew up with, with school. Yeah, they're both musicians and they, they and so I, I've kind of seen all the little School of Rock things. I've seen yeah, the, sure. the, uh, the city college has the, you know, teen program and then the school programs. And I, I've seen all facets of it. And usually when they do recitals, which I hosted a few at my restaurant because we had a stage and a piano and a PA system, you know, so they'd reach out to me for the club experience for the kids, you know. And uh, so I'd seen it all. But usually the criteria for picking the artists that you're going to perform, it's like usually pop stuff, uh, <laughs> right. meaning popular and traditional classic kind of structures of, of pop songs or rock songs. So they do Led Zeppelin, they do Aerosmith, they do um, uh, Blink-182, or they'll do uh, even more, you know, real poppy stuff too. Uh, the Beatles, uh, the Stones, the, all the, like, you know, pretty much uh, KLOS meets, you know, K-Earth. And but to choose Gibby Haynes to not only do butthole service material, that alone <laughs> is is insane, but to go on the road with him and perform these songs. 32 kids are on this. <laughs> OK, so I booked the show uh -huh, yeah. and I thought it was victims, family, badass band, amazing band from way back in the day. I'm from the I'm from the Bay Area, so I know I know them very well, obviously. Santa yeah. Rosa. Yep. Yeah. And um I've been a fan of theirs for a long, long time. All the stuff Ralph's done. And Ralph Spite, the guitar Ralph player. Ralph Spite, amazing guitar player. Friend. Spike, we're yeah. friends. Yeah, we're friends. And that's how this came to be. But the, I I thought when he said, you know, Gibby, I thought, oh, well, Victim's family must be backing him up. And when I finally sure. got the email with all the stuff, yeah, it was like, whoa, it's with the kids from the School of Rock. And uh, it's not just eight kids it's 32 kids and Holy crap. <laughs> anyway uh so they showed up in a uh double decker it wasn't a nightliner so they were having to get hotel rooms every night for all those kids too oh, so got to i don't know how logistically how? they did this tour it's like it's it's crazy but they're like between on my guess of what I saw that night, they're probably between 13 and 18 years old. Um, and they they showed up. I fed them all. I made three big pans of baked pasta and That's some expensive. Caesar salad. That's and a lot of food. Up. I fed them all in Virginia before. And then they, uh, they take turns getting off and on. For each number, so and they did all the classic okay. butthole stuff, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, it was in, it was insane. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because first of all, I can't think of anyone that at least back in the day you'd be least likely to leave your children with than Gibby Haynes, uh, to put it bluntly. 
But right. I mean, yeah, it sounds like a flying circus, like just for logistics alone. That's a, that's a, that's a crazy. Yeah. The, the sound man at this, the odd bar is like a 200 capacity nightclub, typical nightclub. Yeah. Yeah. Restaurant bar, you know, kind of a small performance room. The stage is limited. Yeah. Um, and the front of house guy at the odd bar was like, what? I mean, they had three saxes, two basses, <laughs> three guitars, the, the dual drums thing, a regular trap kit, then a cocktail kit, keyboards, Gibby's weird sound machine. It's it was just, yeah. yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, logistically, Not it just seems so, all seems so infeasible. It seems it seems so. Uh, I know hard, that's what right? made it so amazing. It was like how they. I think what happens is the parents probably pay for this like it's a summer camp, and the and summer then, camp is you get to go on tour and play shows. Yeah, sure. Go, go on tour with Gibby Haynes, and yeah. he had. Or I could tell by now he had he had had a rapport with the kids. He kind of knew. Yeah, you know, he was busting chops with them and stuff. <laughs> It just, I thought, I, I told Peter, the, the School of Rock founder, you yeah. know, I, I, I told him, I said, this is amazing, dude. I, I'm kudos to you. To Could you ever imagine like such a know? thing like back in the day? Like, no. <laughs> it's crazy. And, and, and I think it's great because it, it forces the kids, God knows what they're listening to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were listening to all kinds of different stuff, but it forces them. The butthole surface is uh, experimental and it leaves a lot of freedom. So yeah. I think, you know, the kids probably got this experience that the guy, I think Paul saw that, like this is an artist yeah. where they can go off, they can improvise a little bit, they can get nutty and, and really have fun instead of, well, let's play this Zeppelin song exactly. Right, it goes right, like this. Know? Yeah, here's the yeah, yeah exactly. here's the solo. Here's this. Here's that. Yeah, there, there's there's avenues for expression and to kind of get an experience that goes beyond just playing the cover band set, right? I mean, totally. uh, ideally, because yeah. it's like we all played in bands where it's like, all right, I don't know what happens here, but I'm gonna make a weird noise. You're gonna do your thing, and I guess we'll meet yeah. in the middle. <laughs> and yeah. and that's a. It's it's so funny that it's that would be, yeah, give me hands because I butthole surfers is just not not what I think of in the first name of children's entertainment. Uh, but yeah. that sounds awesome. And victims family, it's always a treat to see when they play. You know uh, what a fantastic band. Um, yeah, I guess that's a, as good a place as any. Uh, I've seen Rubber Snake Charmers now, which was fantastic. That was that was a that was that was great. I super enjoyed seeing it. Uh, I was only dimly aware of it until recently, and I think it's kind of an interesting mm. aesthetic. So, how did Rubber Snake Charmers come together? It, it was around before this recent Australian tour and all that, right? It, it's been around. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been going since 2012, I guess. Okay. Is the first, I had to when I wrote the bio for our, like we're out gigging now, which was right. not the intention. It wasn't right. the intention, but but so I've always been. And my own musician, I don't know why. I tend to attract musicians um, comfortable improvising even on very primitive level, yeah. you know? Like, uh, I've just always been around guys like that. I grew up with guys like that in the desert. My my cousin, my my, my friend Gary, uh, my, uh, my friend Tony, all, all the guys that I play with, are comfortable with jamming. Right. 
uh, when I was living in LA, you know, I had Fats and Jetson going, I had Yawning Man going, and those bands were 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 working and doing stuff. But um, I I I just had an opportunity. I think it started with I was working at Coverside Distribution, um, and they're a, re a vinyl record distribution warehouse in Glendale, LA area. And I was coordinating an open house once a month there where we would have live music, mm -hmm. open the warehouse for people to pick vinyl. And I'd cook hot dogs and burgers, and we'd have a big trash can full of beer. And the food was free, the beer was free. They'd come and hear some music for free, and then we'd sell some records, you know? And it was really great because they could, they could be an action house which was rick so in coming up with entertainment for for that obviously we booked all kinds of different bands i i could go on and on about the different bands that played there great bands but did you ever do one of those i know i i, I knew no. about them but I, I i'm yeah that's it's the stuff of legend for sure <laughs> yeah it's not, anyway anyway it was great and um one of those, I said, well, I'm just going to call some friends. Yeah. And I think that day it was like Joe Biza on guitar. It was uh, Vince Maroney on saxophone. And my son was playing bass. I was playing guitar. Tony Tornay on drums. And I invited a poet from Los Angeles. Um who is a big ins inspiration on, I met him through Jack Brewer and I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm spacing out on his first name, but it's okay. I invited him to come and do some spoken word while we improvised. Yeah. So that was the first show, but it was nothing unusual for me. I've done that kind of stuff all my life. And then um, we did the next time I did it, I, it was at a bar in San Pedro. We were playing with some people. It was like Hurley's band or something. Sure. Yeah. And I and I uh, I booked it again, but I chose different guys. Then we did a Cafe Nella, another club there, and I chose different guys. So every time it would be like I've had I've had everybody from. Uh, guys from Dead Meadow to Alan Johannes. I've had all the musicians that I play with. Yeah. Like all the Iron Man guys, Bill Stenson, Gary, um, all the Fatso guys, like everybody at one point. Anyway, the idea was book a show, show up, jam out, and that's it there's no preparation there's no rehearsals yeah, there's yeah. no stuff like that and it's always musical it's not a noise fest i'm i i, I it's not just like blah, chaos up in faucet shit yeah but, yeah that's an important distinction because i think with some similar exploits it, it really is just like hey we're gonna go yeah. up here and make a bunch of racket and it's not that at all even a little bit no it's not that it goes there yeah but um so that because it's musical it, it had legs for me. Yeah. And uh, the noise thing gets boring really quick. Like I, I love exploding and, 
and an open faucet vomiting with an <laughs> instrument, any yeah. kind of instrument, sure. especially one I don't really know how to play. Oh, that's the best kind but, to do it with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like I tried saxophone for a couple of years and that was like, all I could do was just blur, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, I, I, but you know, I learned this, I learned to do this stuff from guys like Joe Biza and, um, you know, Joe Biza taught me so much. I'm so in debt to him. He, he's one of my mentors and one of my biggest influences. And not just as a, not just stylistically, um, but his, his open mind yeah. and his taste influenced all aspects, whether it was artistic or technique or uh, musically, specifically musically, of what to listen to and who to listen, and but but mostly the freedom of expression when you're on stage, no matter where, if you're at a coffee house or on a corner or out in the desert, a generator park, whatever, just to fucking express, you know. And that I learned that from those guys. So like when I was a kid, I first moved up to. Uh, LA when I was 18 and I moved there for a couple of years. We were going to try to live in the city and, and, and like get a gig at a club. And right. And, <laughs> and one of our Scott reader was, he was in school at UCLA. He was a music major. He had a really good thing going there. He was music major. Uh, for, he was, you know, first tier in the orchestra and played trombone. And, um, we fucked that all up with our rock and roll shit. <laughs> you ruined him. You ruined but, him. <laughs> we did. It was, it was so fucked. But but when we moved, Th- this is there, a this is across the river. Met, this is across the river that, that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's it. Well, it was originally who moved there was Dead Issue. Was oh right. Me, yeah 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 yeah. Okay sure. Yeah, it was me, Alfredo Hernandez, Scott Reeder, and Herb Leno. And I still play with Herb. He plays in the rubber state charmers. Yes, I know. But we, so we moved up there, and the first people we met were, were the guys from SST, and we met the Red Cross crew, which was like Jeff and Steve. Yeah, we met those guys, and we're but mostly the people that were like Jordan Schwartz, who was also worked for SST at the time, his sister Jennifer. Um, <clears throat> Dave Markey and my dear friend, Mike Glass from Sen 34 and Dave from Sen 34. So we, we, we knew those guys kind of from the desert. So when we moved up there in 84, we immediately went, oh, we're here now. Come over right. and let's, you know, let's have a beer and smoke out and listen to records. So it was our best friend. Our, our best friends up there <clears throat> were all affiliated with this scene. So one of the first shows I went to when I lived there, actually lived there, was October Faction. Oh, And cool. painted Willie at Phil Newman's studio. And uh, Phil Newman, God rest his soul, he passed away, but, but he had an incredible recording studio. It was, it was a little hotbed of cool stuff going on there 
and um, and that and we sat on the floor in the live room and we watched October Faction. And I was like, October Faction, if you don't know, is <clears throat> members of Black Flag and Sacred Trust, and it's completely improvised music. Yeah. And they put out a record and they did some touring and and mostly local gigs in L.A. and around the that area, but. Yeah, they had a tape. I remember because that was that was like Dukowski, Yin, and uh, uh, Joe, and right. I can't I can't remember, but like that was also around the same time that uh, that Sacrum Trust did the one, <laughs> the one that has um, <laughs> Peace Frog, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's around that same time. Yeah, uh, yeah, what a crazy wow! What a crazy time to to be there too. So so are you? So you're vibing on all that, right? Like you're you're. you're yeah, I was like, holy shit. This is, I mean, I'd not, I was, I was coming from hardcore punk scene at that time. You know, I, I wasn't listening to jazz, even though my uncle had a jazz club. And I wasn't listening to stuff where there was a lot of improvising other than Jimi Hendrix and, and the classic rock guys that would go off, Almond Brothers. Um, and the, the 60s stuff I listened to was acid rock. So it was like, there was a lot of jamming going on. But um, a little different than in the Grateful Dead, of course. Um, but it was a little different than I got into the Dead after this. See, so it was like I got into all this improvised music, kind of like way after this exposure to October Faction and and these guys that were like, like all those guys were comfortable just going off. Yeah, and Greg and Joe. And that, and I, would I mean, you can argue people, that yeah. that's Greg's whole guitar style, right? Was just going off like the whole. Yeah, time, I, you know? I, I'd argue that <laughs> it definitely was. But there was there was but, a threat. There was a thread that he yes clung to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was weird. It was like Chuck Berry on. It was like backwards Chuck Berry on acid. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite guitar players of all time. No shade at all. But I'm. I'm but yeah, his especially around that period where he's starting to get into to do more like free music and stuff. Like, oh, absolutely. Just, you know, go off King for sure. Anyway, go ahead, please. Long story to tell you where the snake charmers came from, but this is, this is, it, it's a natural thing for me. And it's a beautiful thing for a musician because there, I love to work on music. I love to write music. Yeah. I love to rehearse music. I love to refine it and tweak it. And, and I love all that stuff. And, and, I'm not, you know, but this other thing, this freedom, this spontaneous presence that you have when you're improvising is just amazing. It's not always like a, a meditative experience, but a lot of times it is. I feel differently when I'm done with that explosion yeah. than I did when I started. And sometimes it doesn't go so well because you know you're 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 kind of connecting with with other people and, and yeah the last few times I've done it I've expanded it from like four or five of us to like nine or ten of us and then and there's so much going on that if one of those people isn't a listener. And they're just going, blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah, doing blah, their, th blah. yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work but at all. <laughs> nobody does that. Yeah. Like everyone 
they do. I mean, everyone, even, all of us do it to a certain extent because there's so much sound going on and we're not fucking Miles Davis, you know? <laughs> right, so it's sure. like, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we are just, you know, punk rocking it through this thing, but it's like meaning it's pretty primitive, you know? And, but um, it's beautiful, man. And And to actually get out in front of people and tour it, like that is crazy because you play in front of people that have no idea what it is right. or what to expect. <laughs> sure. They have no song they're waiting for or yeah. any, and you get up and do this thing. And Sean Wheeler. Sean's amazing. He's, he's, he's like, yeah, he takes it to a whole different level. Like we feed off, we support him. Yeah. And he's doing these writings and poems from this book he did with this artist, Otis Link from the desert, actually from LA and now lives in the desert, but famous, famous uh, guy in the punk scene. He did a lot of, a lot of um, the, the, the classic imagery for the poster bills, airs and cover art. He's an amazing artist. I love him to death. And he plays sax with the band too. Uh, it's just, it's so rad because we, like we can run in this thing that is this, it's fun. It's like having all your friends go and surf and there's, let's all go surf and then have a barbecue. It's like, it's like that, but it's music. It's just, uh, and, and the fact that, um, that we've gotten it to a place where it's kind of musical enough where we could support like a real, uh, structured band yeah. and entertain which is not the point like we are not concerned with entertaining people no no yeah 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 um, you're doing we your thing do yeah <laughs> since if you know if if people are like bummed that would it's not gonna make me happy yeah but i'm kind of like my eyes are closed through the whole thing usually so i like I won't know until it's over anyway. <laughs> you know? well, but it's, anyway, it's yeah. been fun. It's been really fun. But it seems like it scratches a totally different itch than like writing songs, like writing and arranging and recording songs in Fats or Jetson and and like it's a totally different skill set. It's a totally different presentation. Totally different. But it's uh, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's very moody, uh, you know. But I it's it's yeah. unex it's very unexpected. But I can see, I mean, is there? Is there a thought towards like, you know, sometimes you capture lightning in a bottle and it's just gone for forever, or you just have to like let go and be like, that's part what part of the process is. Yeah, we've gotten caught in that trap. We um, we have a live recording that we did in Melbourne, and you know, we played at a guy's. We had a, he set up a nice show, big show, at his studio, and his studio's kind of like a compound. It's got a rehearsal space, two or three rehearsal rooms, and it has like a live room that holds about 150 people. And then it has a recording studio. And he set up, a, and he plays in band. His name's Andy, he plays in, in a band uh, from Australia. And um, they set up this show with a full video capture, and um, 24 track recording, I think 16 track. So we got this great recording and we're listening to it. Like the idea was I took a hard drive 
it was kind of like the dead tapes, you know, it's right. like, yeah. <laughs> we, we took, <clears throat> we took a hard drive to every show, hoping they'd have a console that would support be able to format to the hard drive. And that happened rarely, but out of the 13 shows, we got about five, but, but this one came out really good. And, um, he sent me a rough mix. I'm listening to it. And there's like these spots where I like, the bass and the drums and the guitar are doing this certain interplay that is so great. Yeah. And I can't remember, you know, I'm, <laughs> like I'm, any I'm thinking, yeah, I yeah. can't remember what we were playing. So I'm trying to go back and relearn it. Sure. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Cause it, this, this could start. Like if I start introducing structures and, and disciplined structures to the set, like I say, okay, well, we're going to, Tonight, guys, I want to open with this thing. Here's the riff. It yeah. fucks the whole. Excuse me. It it, it fuck. It, it screws up the. It whole, messes up everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It screws it up, man. It, it like it like. There's nights where Wheeler will be. He'll have an off night. I don't usually notice it, but Sean is really sensitive. And there's one thing I gotta say. It's one thing to play the drums, the bass, or the guitar all night, riffing and doing weird stuff. But to, to be to be on, on a microphone, yeah. to have to say words, that's a completely different thing, and it's really hard. Well, and well it, luckily, and, he's yeah. a guy that seems like he was, like, born to be on stage, though, to a certain degree. Like, it's, it's comes, it seems to come so natural to him. He has that... Uh, it does. You know, and the, that's... He presence. can he can say nothing, absolutely nothing, and entertain the fuck out of people because yeah. he's 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 incredible at that, and he loves it. So he's he's very physical, and uh, he's amazing to watch. His energy is insane, and it's real. And um, I'm honored to do stuff with him in that regard. But it's a whole nother thing when you record stuff. Yeah. Then. You don't have that that electricity of a live show, and it's like boom, and it's over. Spontaneity. Yeah. It, it, by recording it, it becomes something that can be heard over and over, and it becomes. And you analyze it. I don't have time to analyze shit. When we play a set, it's done. It's gone. It's it's lost to the air, as you said, or lost to the to to the sound waves. But when you record it, then it's like. Oh, fuck, man. So this recording, the first 10 minutes I, I want to take off because I do this thing on an iPad. It, I'm like doing this like, this like, it's kind of like an, an Eastern flute or okay. something. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I fuck it. I mean, it's just so bad. <laughs> I hit all these weird notes and it's so bad. And I swear to God that night, I don't remember any of that. Like I remember it just yeah. being amazing. Sure. Cause you're in the moment. I, it's, yeah. It's like, the, it's the, what is it? The, I listened the, back and I was like, Oh my God, this sucks. It's like so, the Heisenberg syndrome, right? The, the act of observing totally. something changes. So, it. <laughs> yeah. So I turned it off. I was like, fuck it. We're editing that. And, and it's funny. <laughs> Sean goes, Sean's, I sent the recording to Sean to kind of analyze and he's all, yeah, dude, we need to take it to like nine minutes and 45 seconds in. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Right past all that terrible keyboard shit I did. But, <laughs> but it's, um, I don't know. I lost track, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been, 
it's been a wonderful thing and and all of us they're all they're all people you've played with they're all people that like are similarly forever. like-minded they're like coming from a, a different pla- uh, same pl- sort of place and I got they're not going to yeah. be sitting there overplay they're not going to be sitting there oh it's my opportunity to look at me you know no no none of us are real soloers none of us even know how really <laughs> i mean we like you know so it like we're all primal players so it yeah it ends up being kind of that way, which is a good thing. Well, and for me, yeah. it, it's it kind of scratches the same itch as uh, I don't I, I don't know if you're a David Lynch fan or not, but um, absolutely. Like I I love what he did with like this roadhouse that's in this like you know Pacific Northwestern logging town where they just have like the like the weirdest music playing possible, and it's, and everyone's like, oh cool, right on. And I I lo- it it kind of evokes those same vibes to me, where. Yeah, what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say where it's where there's there's almost this kind of horseshoe effect where if you get far away from people trying to be cool, that like people get more receptive uh, in a lot of ways to just stuff that's unexpected or different. Yeah, that's funny. You met. Yes, absolutely. I I, I agree. I and that it's funny you mentioned that that scene those scenes in that one of my favorite pieces of music from that whole series is that dirge blues it's like cellos detuned oh yeah yeah oh, so good yeah fucking insane i know exactly the way you're talking about yeah yeah i know it's a roadhouse yeah I was like, "Whoa, this!" Mu-. And his taste in music is insane. I, I mean, yeah. I got mean, really great. It's I, great. I guess I, I'm I, literally I, wearing an Audrey Horn shirt. I didn't think about it at the time, but like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it, but it occurs to me that it has a similar vibe to that, right? Where where it's yeah. there, there's a, it's kind of a a deep pull, but you don't quite know where it's going to go next, uh, and which makes it so unexpected. But then also, we live in a world of like press sheets and and like <laughs> Instagram reels and stuff like that. So how do you keep something? How do you keep the mystery and keep the uh, the original conceit of it, if you will, true while also existing in a world that is almost designed to completely destroy mystery? I don't know. I haven't. It, we have. We. It's like different every night that we do it. I mean, for instance, you know, like this, well, I mentioned that, you know, we tour it, when we tour it, it does become, the patterns become evident. The the things we go to in the set, they never resemble a song ever, but it, (laughs) but it, um, but the patterns of groove and the patterns of the spoken word stuff, the where he's drawing from the book, the dry heat book, by the way, it's called dry heat. And uh, so those patterns becoming when you're touring it every night, every night, you start to land in places the same night or the same places each night, which is okay. Yeah. Um, but we don't plan it. We don't go, okay, we're going to start with this. and We're going to end with that. We just, we just kind of in go there. And I'll, I'll call keys sometimes. I'll go, okay, we're going to start in D. Yeah. Then we're going to go to A. Then we're going to go to E. Um, and I control all that because I'm I'm at the helm with the bass guitar, you know. So yeah. I'm like, I, I, I control the keys. But 
but uh, not necessarily. I mean, it, it, it can change. That can change. My son likes to throw things at me where I have to adapt to the, what, what key the guitar is in, and I'm okay with that. But it, but um, when we got home, when we were touring, it was me, Brant Bjork, Ryan Goo, basically this, the dudes from Stoner, and Brant, you know, Brant Bjork's band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... And Nicola very even jumped oh, was up he, on Was stage. he in another band? I wasn't aware. No kidding. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nick jumped up. He played some keys. He mostly did, vo- yeah, he was a great sport. He did vocal stuff, like just off the top of his head with Wheeler. He would back up what Wheeler was doing. He'd do these chants yeah. and weird sicko whispers and stuff. And it was <laughs> fucking great. Yeah, and yeah. He, he just wanted to be involved. And I was, um, I, I regret on the tour, I didn't just give him the bass and I just fucking pick up the guitar or something because we could have done that too. Oh, sure. Me, like yeah. later, I'm like, oh, you should be playing the bass. Yeah. But anyway, when I got home, I immediately called like Janet Houston, Houston, uh, is she plays electric violin. You may know Janet played drums and Red Cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she's she's in some other stuff now but playing the violin or the fiddle and so she has been involved the last couple times we've played three times she's done it she did new year's eve she was awesome my friend herb leno from dead issue i'm teenage punk band buddy he plays he's got a crazy thing he this concept he does by himself called herbert and it's him it's inspired by the organ or the piano players at shakey's the old, <laughs> the old, i know exactly um, what you're talking about yeah 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 absolutely it's, it's, it's like that but a nightmare bad acid <laughs> trip version of that wow so he, he's dressed like the old uh what do they call those guys not a nickelodeon but imagine, like, we'll call it a Nickelodeon player, the old piano player. Like, don't shoot the piano player, yeah. you know, with the spittoon next. Yeah. That's the idea of Shaky. So you walk in and they're like playing ragtime. Straw hat, the vest, the things on his shirt. Yeah. And you get your pizza. Yeah. Delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I've been <laughs> dreaming of opening a pizza place. And if I do, I'm going to have one of those guys. Oh, man. But, and, I'm in. <laughs> Herb. Herb. I'll give Herb. He's a, he owns a Murphy bed business. I'll tell him, get rid of the Murphy bed business. So can play piano at the pizza parlor every night. I just, this this, this, is, your new, this is your new career. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, but anyway, so I call him and he's got a, he's got a Korg microsynth, yeah. which makes every weird ass fucking sound you can imagine you know just the craziest weird uh psychedelic space age shit but it's tuneful yeah and he plays that and then i add my son on guitar and his he has a pedal that can go from guitar to bass it's like so he'll do that in the context and um and then i had dave travis on electric cello and what else oh and a dude on percussion jared elliott so the band that toured 
when the first show we had at home was a completely different it's band. Totally and the music band. was completely <laughs> like it was way massive orchestra. Yeah. Uh, and it was a cacophony. It was a little bit. It was a lot of sound to take in. Yeah. Okay, in small doses. So it's like thirty minutes set. Right. You don't want two hours of it necessarily. We get our yah yahs. <laughs> but what holds it all together and what gives it structure is Sean. Yeah. Sean conducts us. We we come on and then he brings us down. He's he he lays out some poem, and then we react to it. And it worked. It's been working, man. I mean, there's, I can't remember a night where I went, oh my God, that was like pulling teeth. Never. <laughs> it hasn't happened. Right. And right. That's, that's just me. I don't know. Maybe in the audience. I had one guy come up to me in Vegas. So we played this place, this barbecue place. We opened for Stoner. Okay. Yeah. And um, I had fun. I thought it was a great set. And one guy came up to me. And I was putting my bass away, and he patted me on the back. He said, dude, that was rad. Man, i never seen anything like that. I was like, thank you. Thank you. And there was another guy coming behind him, and I was still putting my stuff away. And the guy walked right up to me, and he's all – and he had heard what that guy said. Yeah. And he's all, he's all dude, that was awful. He's all, just, he's all that, was, that was awful. I didn't know what to expect, but that was fucking awful. And I was all – Jesus. All right. Right. Was he German? Was right on. No, he was just a Vegas, <laughs> just a Vegas, Vegas like yeah. stoner rocker. Yeah, I play and Vegas. I he's get probably it. Probably a, 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 a huge Caius fan or a fan yeah, of Brant yeah. and Nick. And he's just like, that sucked. And I was like, good. That's good. Well, I'm glad that the dude was honest and that, like, you got a reaction. I'm, it may not have been like I, a good reaction, but you got a reaction, you know? <laughs> I know. I know that to your average like rock listener that needs a song with a verse and a chorus and a guitar solo, this shit is going to drive you nuts. It's going to be like, check, please. I'll be at the bar, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when, when Fatso Jetson first started, we used to, I had this, this, this Roland keyboard that I bought because it had all these nightmarish looping cycling sounds on it. Like it sounded like a computer um, burning up and going haywire and sure. just yeah, yeah. exploding. You know, and I used it just for that. And we do these jams, these nightmare kind of butthole surfers esque, like not noise jams, but just dark, weird jams. And I'd have this thing going crazy through it, you know. And it, and it would some I'd look up sometimes and the bar would be clearing or empty. <laughs> right. Well, there's only 20 people there to begin. Yeah, with, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then we I started coining it as bar clearing music. And I thought that's, you know, like it was like the Alligator Records house rocking music. Right, you know? right. This <laughs> is bar clearing yeah, music. music. It's bar clearing music is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's self-indulgent. What musician hasn't experienced self-indulgent fun shit? You know, yeah. it's like. I mean, I, 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 yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty of great examples of that, and uh, I mean, I, I, have oh a, God. I have a friend's band who uh, they, uh, <laughs> they played just the intro to Six Pack for 15 minutes, and then they yeah. played. 
five seconds of the beginning of every one of their songs in order, and that was the set. And a, oh, and, that's right. And a friend flew in from from like East Coast or something to to see it to see them play. <laughs> that's the show they saw. Which I was like, well, you saw but something you're still, unique. You're still talking about it. Though, <laughs> still right? talking about it. I was like, <laughs> I mean, in a way, like. Dude, kudos, man. <laughs> yeah, I just went on and on and on. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna rip that off. It's such a good baseline, and it, it it's like it was like that um that shellac song that didn't we deserve a look at where he's do 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 and it does that for like just forever. It, it was like that. Minutes, yeah. yeah, it was. It was it was pretty stunning, frankly. <laughs> but I mean, but there's something to be said for those kinds of moments, right? Uh, that, where it's it's not going to be a crowd pleaser. It's going to it's maybe going to maybe going to antagonize a few people. But uh, it's art. Art yeah, is supposed to provoke art. a reaction, right? That that, that cyclical rep, rep, repetition thing. I, I one of the most effective amazing performances I saw. Now, granted, this was the scene of this performance was mat fucking magical. We were, it was my first son, my son's first tour. I took him on, he's 16 years old. I pulled him out of school to go to Europe for a couple weeks. Hell yeah. And um, Fatso Jetson, and our first show was at Duna Jam. And Duna Jam is a basically a, a week-long generator party in Sardinia. And Sardinia is an island off the coast of Italy that is absolutely magical. It's it's a it's a very rustic, very wholesome rustic uh, culture. And the coastline is is incredible. It's like the desert, the beauty of the desert meets the beauty of the ocean. No shit. It's that. It's like take take the most bitchin' desert scene you've ever stood in and went wow. And then being at a beautiful beach and going wow. And then combine those two things and like every just it's just everything. So you have this. Imagine you're at this. You're at a, a beach cove with a huge sand dune, hence Duna Jam. Sure. And uh, Fatso played with, and there's probably about 20 bands that are involved in this thing. And it's kind of a secret. You know, I'm not even supposed to be talking. It's kind of a secret. That, okay. That's all I'll say. Okay, fair enough. It was beautiful and amazing. Um, but one of the bands that played after us, it was at, it was right as the sun was going down into the dark. And it was a band called Circle. And they're, they're from Finland. Yeah, Finland. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know of them. Yeah. Okay, so Circle is this prolific fucking band. Like you think the OCs put out records. <laughs> no, they have like these guys. They put these guys put out like 20 records in in the space of a year. And the band the the they had two bands playing this festival. I'll call it a party festival. Yeah. They were, it was called Pharaoh Overlord <laughs> was one band. Okay. 
all the same members, but a totally different concept and a totally different uh, body of music. Sure. But yeah, the yeah. same members. But Circle played this specific night. They played one song for an hour. And it was <laughs> it was basically a riff. Yeah. Uh, nothing really complex. But imagine like a crimson, a heavy King Crimson, like one of hev one of Crimson's heavier riffs, yeah. but not some like technical mind blowing like what it was yeah, just like twenty first century of schizoid man or something where like yeah not even that swinging like it just had it had like these four five steps in it and they played it over and over. <laughs> And over the exact same right. inflection, zero dynamics, monochromatic, like, like, like a a, a, a solenoid. It was yeah. just fucking rigid, and they, and they started it and they stopped it on a dime, and they played that fucking thing for an hour. It started to literally, like. Here's how people reacted. 20 minutes in people are like still doing this yeah 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 and then like 30 minutes in people were like looking at each other going what the fuck? <laughs> what's happening <laughs> yeah. 40, 45 minutes people started cheering like holy shit yeah. yes you guys are insane how the fuck are you doing this yeah and an hour it was like people's minds were blown it's crazy it actually started to it, it started to fuck with me, man. I was like, like it started trip, tripping me out. It yeah, had a yeah. mental effect on me. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing was, I can't show you. While they were playing it, like here's the guys. They're standing yeah. in the sand. Yeah. And they would slowly, like this slow. Yeah. They're playing this right. They'd slowly go down. This slow, slow, <laughs> slow, down to their knees, uh -huh. then one knee, then they stand back up. <laughs> and they did that. They must have done it 30 times in the span of the hour, yeah. up and down, just bit down to their knees and then back up. I mean, I was just like, these guys are fucking. That's, that's some that, next level stuff that, there. <laughs> yeah, that cyclical thing that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Anyway. Blah, blah. I'm... No, no, that's, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've, I have some, a lot of time for that. I mean, I think even about, you know, I love Echoes by Pink Floyd, but like, just the, like, where it's like, there's a certain point where you're like, oh, this is cool. And being like, and then you kind of, your mind sort of wanders and like, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I guess this, I guess this song's still going on. And then like, then like, you know, that kind of comes back and I'm a big fan of that kind of thing. I, I'm a, yeah, me you know, too. Autobahn, Kraftwerk. That's another good example, you know, um, but you know, you mentioned Fatso Jetson. It'd be disingenuous not to, to talk more about Fatso Jetson. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the band I kind of most associate with, you with. Uh, awesome. And I'm a big fan uh, of everything you did. Was, Thank you. Was it 95 that, uh, that was the first record uh, that came out right around uh -huh. that neighborhood? Is that, yeah, is that the band same? formed in 94 at, uh, at my, my pizza rock and roll club in Indio. Ninety-five, we put out we put out our first record, yeah. Yeah, and it's it seems to me that there's a very 
there's a very defined voice to what Fatso Jessen does, uh, but also a lot of room to kind of explore. Like, it, it, there's a lot of heavy Devo kind of action, <laughs> mm-hmm. is the best way I can put it. Um, but you know, you don't you don't limit it just to like any like one thing necessarily. And uh, I mean, there to me, there's like some of the stuff the Minimet does, right? Like Minimet, and like you know, like there's elements of that without necessarily even sounding like the Minutemen. And what what led you to to start Fatso Jetson? Because that's because that's post uh, it's post Yawning Man, right? If I'm if I'm getting my timeline correctly, uh, yeah. Well, it was Yawning Man turned into the Sword of Quartet. Yeah, yeah. They kind of yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So the Sword of Quartet. It was Yawning Man. We just changed the name. The Sword of Quartet was active when Fatso Jetson came to be. Fatso Jetson came to be because I was working every night at my club with my cousin. He was in the kitchen tossing pizzas and I was out front running the bar and the sound. And and then we had a place called Rhythm and Brews in India. And we, uh, we, we missed playing, man. We were just like, fuck. I mean, the Sword of Quartet was still playing. We were doing some gigs at the club, and we were running up to Al's bar yeah. and playing, like, anti-club and shit. Um, but it was just, like, only on weird nights where we could get away from the club. It, it was hard, you know? It was like, yeah, it's a lot to, to Yeah, the restaurant business and, and, and being in a rock and roll band or a nightclub business and being in a rock and roll band. It's funny because most musicians work at bars and stuff. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it because it's like, you know, oh, I got a gig on a Saturday night. Yeah, but I could have made two hundred bucks bartending. You know? <laughs> right. You're gonna make like twenty bucks instead playing the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Spin. Spin two hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. But I we missed it, and we met my buddy Tony. God bless him. He this came to that. Fuck, yeah. He came to that fucking club every single night every night as a matter of fact i owned and operated it and he was there more than me because <laughs> i took a family vacation to santa fe yeah, yeah. to see my sister i wanted to take my parents to see my sister and we met in santa fe and i and i took i took a weekend off and it was a terrible weekend to take off and i'll tell you that story but Tony was there and I was gone. And at the end of this two year run, it was only open for two years, but at the end of the two year run, we were talking, I was making a, our closing night poster and it was a big tombstone. Yeah, that's good. And it had on the tombstone, it had every single band that played, every single band that played, mm-hmm. okay? Said rest in peace, rhythm and blues, and then all the bands that performed. And I had music five nights a week, so it was fucking pretty. A, a lot of them, yeah. I was going to say probably a pretty big poster <laughs> or small it print. Was a lo- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, dude, and that night we're like, he's like, dude, we started talking. And I was looking at this show. It was like uh, Bikini Kill and Fits of Depression and. Um, um the Tourettes and and he's like yeah man what a 
God, that was insane dealing with Kathleen Manor. She was crazy. She was so fucked. Up. And we went on and on. And I was like, dude, I wasn't there. You were there. That means that you were at the club every single night more than me. Like, he never missed a, a night that place was open. He was there. So anyway. Perfect attendance award. <laughs> yeah. We, we started jamming. And... Um, he put his drums up at the end of the night. You know, we'd wrap things up late. And he'd throw his drums on stage. And my shit was already there. I kept my shit there because we could rehearse at the club for free. It was awesome. It was PA. Yeah. You got a nice setup. And, it's going to sound and a, good. Yeah. And a cold, a cold keg and yeah. fucking, Hell yeah. you know, cold pizza <laughs> in the fridge. I mean, it was the it was the most awesome thing. And pool tables and, you know. Yeah. What's not to love? I lived there. I fucking lived there, dude. I got up in the morning. Kids went to school. I I was at the club until 3 a.m. every fucking night. And that and um and I was there with Tony and Larry. And we were jamming. If we weren't jamming, we were playing pool. If we weren't playing pool, we were watching uh Twilight Zone on the tube and throwing back beers. And it was like we just you know, we've been we've been buddies, dear friends ever since, man. We've always been tight, and uh, that's how Fatso started. You know, and he's yeah. such a monster drummer too. I mean, what a what a yeah, what I a mean, badass, he's right? You know, like <laughs> uh, it, it's yeah, it's just something that it, it kind of seems like the different territory that you mine in that band, though. Like, there's a through line through all of it, but it isn't there isn't a lot of repeating yourself either. And uh, was that just a natural outgrowth over the years of um, of how things have gone, or were you purposely trying to? We went that? through a we went through a well. In, uh, I appreciate that you see that in us. That's I, I um, that makes me happy. But I'm a picky um, bastard too. <laughs> yeah, I I, I, um, I I'll be honest with you. There was a period, especially when I lived in L.A. and running a restaurant. Yeah. That the band, and I even, you know, I invested in a studio. I built a studio in a warehouse space. I built a, uh, a really nice little recording studio with my friend Matthias uh, Schneeberger, um, who's recorded all kinds of, like, many of Lanigan and Greg Dooley's Yeah, all, kind, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're recorded at that studio. But we, um, we... It was just fucking hard, man. And so we ended up like we were playing the same set all the time. And, and I, you know, I, I, uh, I went through a period where it was just, I was just happy just getting together with my family and playing. Yeah. But, I, but writing and rehearsing and it was hard, man. And it, so we went through a kind of a dry period there. But once I moved home, it's funny, when I moved two hours away from everyone, <laughs> like then, uh, but I didn't have the restaurant anymore. And um, I started writing a lot more for Fatso Jetson. But all that music's still sitting like we haven't we haven't recorded it. Hmm. We've recorded some of it, very little though. It'll it will happen. Um, so we did a couple splits and the yeah. split even the split only had two new songs on it and they had two that we never got a chance to properly record. But but to answer your question or to to give you an explanation, I um, 
I'm inspired by the music I listen to. Yeah. And I have this music that plays in my head and the two things come together in some weird way. And, and one, you know, like last year I was listening to a lot of new, uh, new bands. Like I really got into this band dive. There's the guitar. Do you know them? D-I-I-V. D-I-I-V. They're kind of a young, you call it, I guess, if you want to pin it, you call it shoegazy or whatever. Sure. And they're, 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 they're a popular band, but they, they're, the guitar playing is amazing. I saw them open for some band they didn't fit with at all. I was managing Pat and Harriet's. Oh, that's right. I forgot you did that for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Roadhouse up here in the high desert. Great spot. Kitchen place. Yeah. Great spot to hear live music. But anyway, um, and and so I started listening to these guys, and 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 you know the the, the ideas they play kind of clean uh, jazz master tones and and um, very chimey, very melodic, very beautiful. A lot of beauty in their music, a lot of drama, and 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 I, you know I influenced by it, and I write stuff in that vein. So and then the next. You know, the year before that, I was listening to a lot of like uh, Delta, contemporary Delta blues artists, like, you know, juke joint musicians that are just tearing it up with uh, duos and little trios and and uh, a lot of slide guitar. And but, you know, whatever it is, it's like or Wilco. I, you know, I went through a phase where I was just just, you know, Tweens music was was resonating with me and i and i it does it doesn't i don't know it just goes in all different directions but it's it's just good i'm i like it because i i like being inspired and influenced by other musicians i i don't i don't pretend that like ooh i have some special thing that's unique and i'm unique and i'm and i'm you know only i can do you know i i i like i like i revel in expressing through other people's inspiration and stuff. I love that. I, I, I like to express myself. So naturally it comes out in a way that my own little thing on it, but it's good. It's a, you know, it's a, it's healthy for me. And, and I, and I really enjoy discovering new music, man. It's like, I, fuck, I have my go-tos all the time. I, yeah, when I was sure. a kid, I love, this and I love that and that shit will always be with me. <laughs> but just today I was playing bass at rehearsal and and I and I and I was like, what is this? What is what does this remind me of? And I couldn't decide if it was Cheap Trick or Aerosmith, but it was definitely one of the two. <laughs> right. You know? I've actually seen so those bands like, play together and it was a pretty great show, honestly. Oh right. Uh, yeah. yeah, well and that's <laughs> I mean, I every time I write a really fantastic riff, I'm always convinced it's stolen. I'm like, I stole that. I and then I'll I'll I'll, I'll be like, wait, no, I don't think I did. And then I'll, I'll then I'll be yeah. like, no, I had a weird memory of like that being this, but like I've remembered it completely wrong, and it's totally different. But every time mm-hmm. I've come up with like a really really great riff, I've uh, that has right. to, that has to yeah. be from somewhere else. That has to be. There's no way I came up with that. <laughs> oh, I mean, you'll hear in my songs, Greg and. All the all the oh, time. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. You'll always hear. You'll hear D Boone. You'll hear. Um, 
Jim Thompson from the Merman. Oh yeah, Merman. Hear, yeah, yeah. You'll hear like uh, yeah, I almost you know I don't know Joe Perry. Yeah, but it sounds like you though. That's that's the thing, and so that's and, you know, all these weird things that yeah, I, and you know it's notable because. I think that there's, and this is frequently comes up on this show, but I mean, it, it kind of used to be that, like back in the day, you if you sounded like another band, you would kind of get clowned on. You'd be like, oh my god, what are you doing? Uh, and I think there's this kind of newish trend where kids are just sort of like, ah, I want to play this, so I'm, I'm gonna play this, and that's cool. But I mean, it used to be like, yeah, if you dared sound like another band, like, like, oh, come on. <laughs> What are you yeah. doing, you clowns? <laughs> Get it together. Yeah. <laughs> I have that record too, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so weird in the punk scene how the idea, the the, the principles we'll call them. Yeah. The principles of punk rock was expression, you know. Yeah. Now, whether it was through fashion or whether it was through music or art or whatever, the the, the what I got was. Ex, was expression and what you know the the go-to with punk rock was shock you shock people uh, yeah, with your yeah, crazy yeah. haircut or your your you know the the pin through your nose or the tattoos or the whatever the the, the fuck you the swastika on the shirt or whatever it was it was like oh shock you know but when, when, when all that bullshit kind of fell away the principle of punk rock was there and the principle of it was express expression and and you don't need to have the secret key of knowledge to express yourself you can express yourself without any of that you don't need to know how to do stuff you just you can just express yourself and and if you do that enough pretty soon you'll know how to do something yeah express yourself yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah right and not care um so it was really uh an interesting learning ground for that but it also created a lot of bullshit and it created a lot of rules and conformity and so there was two schools that was like like when english punk came over and I don't mean the Sex Pistols. I'm talking about the second wave of English punk rock, like GBH and Discharge, and yeah, and like the high fashion era. Some badass music. I'm a fucking huge fan of a lot of that music, and it was a huge influence on me. And I gooed my hair up, and I had a leather jacket with spikes in it, and the whole fucking thing. But all that bullshit aside, there became these two. I I started to to become torn about something. And and I know I'll go back to the SST guys for teaching me this, that the true expression has nothing to do with all that, even though you can express yourself through fashion, but is it really expressing yourself? If you look exactly like the other hundred people at the club, yeah. are you really expressing yourself? I don't know. If your band sounds just like GBH and discharge and vice squad, are you expressing yourself or are you just accomplishing fitting in, which was the whole point of punk rock was you don't need to fit in. I don't want to fit in yeah. this boring seventies 
radio rock is driving me fucking nuts. I'm tired of all this shit. I want to do so. Like the whole, everything, people just gravitate. It's human nature, I think, to gravitate towards where they find comfort and acceptance. Yeah. And, and as much as punk being like this expression of ah, individuality and blah, it became a, it became the most uh, cookie cutter conformist because it was so easy to conform because it was so clear. Like when you look at, I'm just, okay. I, I'm going to use these guys in a, as an example, but I'm, I'm, I don't mean to obsess on the SST thing, but look at, look at black flag, look at them as, as a punk band. Mm -hmm. You look at a picture of them. Now, if you had never heard them and you never, heard of what they were where they come from and you looked at them and somebody said that's a punk band would you be able to imagine how they sounded at all would you look at them and go fuck it's gonna be gnarly and heavy or whatever you're yeah. just looking and go well okay it looks like a couple kind of burnout guys and stoners and <laughs> maybe one one guy that like goes down to the beach and eats pizza and then and then and then the next frame is the exploited now you look at the exploiting, you go, yeah, I can pretty I know much, what that is. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much know what that's going to sound like. Yeah, but, I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so I got like, I got this thing in me of like, it's got authenticity. So the, I got this thing of like, authenticity is important. It's fucking important. And for, for, and I realized the, the reason that it's important is because it lasts and it becomes a meaningful thing in your life and it, and it becomes part of your principle. So it's not just something that is entertaining or passes the time or a hobby. It becomes part of your life, like, like raising your children or going to church or fucking it, it, whatever it just it like it becomes this thing that you do because it's part of you and not just this you know anyway i know that sounds lofty but it's fucking true man and, and yeah when, to go back to sounding the same or sounding different i you can overthink the sounding different thing to the point where it's not often authentic it may be different yeah. but but being different just to be different if your heart and your mind really aren't there it's gonna you're gonna it, yeah that, that's it, disingenuous it that's that, that's it, disingenuous in a different way yeah it's not an expression <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not honest maybe an honest expression is to sound just like dive or yeah. maybe to sound just like fucking uh the beatles maybe that's the, that is where the guy's heart is and he god i fuck that that resonates with him so be it yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but the desert was the worst for judging and, oh my God, we were all dicks. Everybody, every, I don't care. There's not one guy that isn't like guilty that I know in this fucking music scene of being a fucking snob when it comes to other bands and being jaded and like, like, oh, this isn't that and blah, blah, blah. And I, Brant or Josh, I think Brant had a record um, called Punk Rock Guilt. 
<laughs> it's exactly what we're talking about. It's like, it's like you, you adopt this, this thing that to some people, it, 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 it doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just another, yeah. it's another night at the pub. It's another night at the club. And one year it's country music and the next year it's punk rock and, and whatever it is. It's just a means of entertainment. It's a means of, but when you, when you dive deep in, in it's this culture changes your life, it becomes something you adapt as a principle in your art, in your, in your, the way you behave, the way you, yeah, it's, it, you, it's an ethos. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. It just like fucking changes you. And, um, you know, I'd hope that comes out in music and stuff, but it's not about originality. It's not about like, oh, he's sounding different or I've never heard anything like that before. I don't fucking care about that. Yeah. Because, not, you know, there's nothing. You'll always find something that's that's like, what is that? Yeah, what that's how that? when I first heard Tropical Fuckstorm, I was I was sort of like, what? What's happening here? And then. Yeah. Like I just kept listening and listening and listening, and uh, yeah, and then we were lucky enough to to play with them, and then it was like, oh wow, it's even better live, and like they're just constitutionally incapable of doing anything other than their thing, and I I love them for it. It's just it's yeah, it's perfect. It's and it's not like they're trying to like be as weird as possible. They just kind of like that's what comes out, and I love it. It's that's and their and their music is so like it's so complex and. And I can't even imagine them trying. Like it just it it, it can't even sound they? like yeah. that. If they were trying to sound like that, it, it, there's no there's no there's no way. There's that's no just, way. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it's it's evident that you're dealing with four unique individuals yeah. that are weirdos. They are weirdos, and they're goofballs, and it comes out in everything they do. Their principle comes out yep. in all that shit they do, and and we got to say a prayer for them because one of those girls, Fiona, was, yeah, Fiona's yeah, got a diagnosis, has, which is and I saw them announce they weren't going to make it over here, and um, she's going to go through some treatment and yeah. stuff, and and young woman, you know, going through that is is it heavy duty, so yeah, that's uh, so we'll send some good prayers and juju out. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. For her to be back on track. Can you talk a little bit about? So we talked about rhythm and bruise, right? And uh, I'm I'm fascinated also with Cafe Three Twenty Two. Uh, I, I never went, but I was always I'm always interested when people from, for lack of a better term, the punk rock world. Uh, kind of take up what's like straight businesses, so to speak, or like what are normally straight businesses, and approach it from that way. Um, what? Because that, so that came a little bit later, right? And uh, what? What did? What, how was that experience? How did you come to to do that? How was balancing that in the music life? Um. Well, that you know, I told the story about rhythm and bruise, and that my parents were always in. The restaurant business. So it's like it's like a family thing. Then it was a family thing. Yeah. My dad, my dad was an opera singer. My mom was an opera singer. My really? dad. Wow. And, uh, uh, yeah, they were, awesome. <clears throat> My dad was from back east, and he had a career in an opera company. Now, op opera careers are 
um, they're de very delicate things because one, you have to have massive talent. Yeah. Not just not talent you learn. You have to be born with a certain yes. thing to, to be an actual working opera opera performer. So it's a rare deal for 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 someone to have a, a an actual career in this. It's not like rock and rollers you can just go fuck off and, and get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Seriously, no, it's it's gnarly. So <clears throat> my dad realized that he he's a smart man at a young at a young age he realized this thing ain't gonna be around forever. But I love singing and I love it so much. I gotta figure out how I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. Nice. So an opera an opera singer's career is usually from about 16 to 30. And if you if you're talented and <clears throat> uniform enough that you fit the bill for different roles that you audition for, which is, you know, if they're looking for a skinny blonde and you're a heavy brunette, or if you're a yeah. portly tenor and they're looking for a, a, a skinny baritone, you're fucking out of luck, man. Yeah. You know, so he realized that, well, shit, if I want to keep singing, I'm going to have to create my own stage, you know? Yeah. How the fuck am I going to do that? Well, he started working at 18 years old. He was working at a, at a restaurant in New York City called uh, Ost, the Asti. And the Asti was a famous piano bar. And it was famous because it was near Broadway and near the Met in between downtown. And the choruses, meaning the, the singers on stage at these performances, they would come in after hours. So performance would get out. They'd go, let's go get a drink. Let's go to the Osti. The piano player could sight read anything. Yeah. Anything. You put any fucking music in front of him, he could fucking play it. And these people would sing. They'd sing opera, they'd sing musical theater, blah, blah, jazz standard, whatever. There's a place like that in Oakland called The Alley. This guy, Rod Dibble, he would always take off Christmas, the rest, but every other day of the year, he was there doing that exact thing. And you could be like hey you know let's i want to sing under my skin great he's got it he's going there they, and it's it was amazing and it's it was one of the last vestiges of old oakland the, the bar is still there but rod dibble unfortunately passed on but he only ever took christmas off he did every day <laughs> for like 50 years or something like that it was that's crazy. amazing yeah and i and i i can totally see it right we <clears throat> so so that I mean, I'm going way back, but, but there's fine. a reason. There's a reason. So, so uh, when he's about 21 years old, he had a, a partner, a, a running buddy, another singer, and he said, uh, "You know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta figure this out. We gotta get a place like this Osti place." And um, he had a little bit of cooking experience because coming from an Italian family, you know. It's hard not to. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, um, they had taken a trip as, in a, as singers. They had taken a trip to Aspen. 
And at the time, he's living in New York. They had taken a trip to Aspen, Colorado, and this is 1952. And he, and he, and he realized that this is a boom town. In 52, he could start to see that the, the ski industry was starting to, the resort industry, we'll call it, was starting to pick up there. And like, if we're going to open a, a weird place like this, this is the fucking place to do it because yeah, it's sure. super cheap. They had a great location in the, in one of the only hotels downtown Aspen in the, the big, beautiful saloon in the hotel was available. So him and the, his buddy got in a car that fucking drove to Aspen and he went for it. He just fucking went for it. And they opened this place and it was called Mario's. And it was, um, my dad would be in the kitchen. He'd be making pasta and, and come out and sing a song for you. And he discovered that he, now he had his stage. And as long as he could keep that fucking restaurant open, he could sing every night. Right. And the, the, the singing was always more important. My dad had great taste in food. He, the food was always great. It was, the food was always good. And I'm not just saying that because he's my dad. But it, was good. <laughs> sure. it wasn't some weird shit toss off. Yeah, like he, yeah. He yeah, knew he'd yeah. taken enough trips, taken enough trips to Italy to know the difference between the kind of pasta that's prepared right and the pasta that they just dump the red sauce on top and yeah. the rest of it's sitting there dry. You know. But anyway, he knew the fucking difference. So it was always good. But it was just him and this guy and, and a bartender. So it started picking up, picking up, picking up. And eventually he added two more singers and then three and then four. And eventually he had like 10 singers around a grand piano. By the time we moved to Palm Springs, I was born and and big restaurant in Denver and moved to Palm Springs and he bought the Chi Chi Club in downtown Palm Springs in 1970. So the Chi Chi Club was its heyday was in the mid 50s and 60s. It was a fucking hopping place. You Not name sure. it, they performed there. Yeah, yeah, Palm Springs at that time, especially. Yeah. Yeah, it was an incredible place. But when we got it, it was a dump. It had, it had had its life and it had shuttered and no ideas. And... Yeah. So anyway, this idea of like, own the stage, fucking own it. You want to perform, you want to do whatever you want to do, own the stage. That was Im embedded in my head. And that's kind of how, <clears throat> how I ended up in the club business was I got, I got in big trouble doing generator parties. I got people got the last one I did, people got seriously injured. There was like, it was fucking mess. And I, it just got, I was out, out of my control and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't have any kind of um, safety measures. I had no first aid. You're in the no, middle of nowhere. And like, if somebody gets nowhere, hurt, yeah. no toilets, it was yeah. just, it was so irresponsible and, and really, fucking dangerous and I got busted and it was a good thing and me and my cousin got busted and after that I said that's it for me in this fucking shit because the generator parties are great tons of freedom get out do whatever the fuck we want 
but there was no way to monetize it. Like I, it always cost me money, which yeah. I was fine with. Yeah, we yeah. never paid bands. It was always just like everybody get together. And that was the beauty of it. God bless it. But fuck, we have to, you know, and <clears throat> it's okay. If I want to work nine to five um, painting houses and then go do a generator party on Saturday night, that's great. But I want music to be my life, you know? Yeah. I don't want to burn all my fucking energy, like digging ditches and then go and like, ugh, and then with my last legs, go play a show somewhere. But I also want to balance art and commerce. So I don't want my art to be the slave of the dollar either, because then it isn't art at all. It becomes a fucking whatever, you know? And I can't play covers, man. I can't, I can't read. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, what yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know three chords. You know, so I got to find a balance. If 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 Greg and Chuck can do it, if Ian can do it, if yeah. all the musicians around us that inspire us can can do those things, and and make a living, then why can't I fucking do it too? Well, because I've always been in the restaurant and club business, I always, I, you know, fuck man, you know what you know and you do what you do. So I always kind of gravitate towards putting on the show and it's hard. It's been hard for me to adapt to like, no, be the show, like do this and, and like write music, record music, take it on tour, release record. Like I do that. I'm not saying I don't do that. I do that. I've released a lot of music and I've done stuff touring and stuff, but, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I, I'll say it. I love it. I love, I love, hosting people and putting on a show and 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 creating the space where people come yeah. to enjoy themselves i fucking love that and it's a form of expression too man it is you know? and it's also a very specific set of skills that almost never gets shouted out i will say like it's something that people don't un accept by other people that do it <laughs> like game respect yeah. game like i knew Long before you and I ever met, I knew about generator parties and stuff. And I was like, oh, you can just get a generator and go do that? And obviously, there's more to it than just that. But like when I started throwing DIY shows myself, I was like, well, as long as like, the cops don't bother you and as long as no one's going to get like killed or, you know, <laughs> whatever, it's probably fine. You know, again, young man logic, right? But um, there is an art to it, to curating something to... Uh, People get mad when I say curating because it's supposed to be just art, but okay, whatever. That's what it is. But you know what it is? It's curation. It's 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 like uh, it's curation. Uh, you're uh, procuring. You're selecting. You're presenting. That's curating. And, and you you, know? you match. You sequence things. You anyway. Yeah. It's it's it, it is absolutely a hundred percent an art. Yeah. And yeah. So balancing that uh, was hard. Um, and I. I'm in that query. It's it's been hard all of my life. So rhythm bruise. We started. I had two bands going. The only time we ever played, with the exception of the random shows I mentioned, was at the club. But we, at least we had our own. You, stage. you had a home. You had a place that you could do your thing. Yeah, and, and just like my dad, yeah. I was just instead of singing opera, I was playing punk rock, whatever the fuck. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It's like I had a place, had a stage. I could book us with whoever. I'd book, put us on bills with whoever I wanted. 
It was great. But, uh, you know, it was, and we had to play, that, that, was a, that was fruitful creatively because we had a place to rehearse. I could, we had days free. I could get together. We could stay late at night. But when I went to L.A. and started running, <clears throat> running a, a real restaurant, not a rock and roll club, but a fucking restaurant with singers and, you know, a staff of 30, that shit beat me up, man. And it took, it took um, all the wind out of my creative stuff. And you can see it. You can see, like, this low where Fatso Jetson, like, we release a record and then nothing for like four years. You know, yeah, it yeah. just and we were playing the whole time. We were playing. We, oh fuck, I got Tuesday night off. Let's set up a show at the Handlebar in Pasadena or wherever right, the right. fuck the place at the Old Town Pub or sure, whatever. whatever. You know, yeah. we we go play wherever. But um, it was nothing like being in a real. And like I said, I built the studio and tried to keep so balancing those two things was really hard and um i was kind of a mess back then i wasn't kind of a mess it was a huge mess i was a mess so i wasn't like in a in a in a fit mind body or spirit to like handle two things that need a lot of love and care so i just kind of like like tumbled through it and um but looking back a lot of shit was done you know we 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 built a groovy place. We had a lot of incredible performances at our restaurant uh, that I'm really proud of, and I we provided work for all my family. Like yeah. literally, all of my family worked there. <laughs> right. Uh, my, my parents sang there on Sundays. My daughter sang there. My son performed there. He learned how to get on stage and perform there. And at the same time, we were you know we building a recording studio with Schneeby and making incredible records there with all the artists I mentioned, like fucking great records were made there. So there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff happened, but, um, it, it, you know, it's like a lot of multitasking is it's hard to do a lot of stuff. Well, uh, so it all kind of got done, but, um, but it was hard and it, it was, time to just focus on stuff you know so and it was difficult for me because like yawning man got offered his first tour of europe while i had just opened the restaurant in sierra madre yeah and i just had to say no you know i had to say fuck i can't go man and they're like dude it's our first fuck come on dude i'm like dude i can't just open this fucking restaurant yeah. i can't go so they got it. I got Billy Cordell, the guy who plays with them now. He went on the first tour. So there were sacrifices, you know, it was difficult. But I love the club, I love the restaurant. And uh, and it was a, a, a thing I did with my cousin that was like, you know, we dove in all in. And at the same time, we were playing in the band together. And a lot of shit was happening, man. Like, like this music scene that you know me from, it kind of started exploding while that restaurant was happening. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> we we got like the spotlight on our Fatso Jets and like people actually knew who we were over Europe and stuff because of like bands like Quiz, uh, 
Queens of Stone Age and Caius and Queus. <laughs> That's so <laughs> fucked. That is so fucked. It's, it's the questioning Caius. It's a <laughs> so there was like Queus, dude. I gotta remember that. Okay, so 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 um, there, like this stuff was happening, but we couldn't do it. Yeah, because you're, like, you're, you're just you're kind of because you're like, no, we just opened a restaurant. You can't yeah. go fucking. You can't play. go run off on tour when you're when you're deep in. Yeah, or even yeah. yeah, you know, even go up to San Francisco and play a weekend. You know, that was that was a big deal for us. Well, we got a show at at uh, at um, Benders was. Oh like, yeah, Benders. Uh, Benders shows are so yeah, fun Jimmy, too would always always set us up and that was a big getaway for us yeah because we i'd get the night off larry'd get the night off we'd all jump in my van and go up there and play and drive home and that was our big outing you know but um so yeah it was difficult and and i know other musicians that dive into businesses and and it's funny that you bring this up because i've been I've been working a lot with with Brant, you know, tour manages his band, and now we're playing music together and stuff. And, and um, we're looking at this year coming up, mm-hmm. and made a conscious decision. You made a conscious decision not to to tour a lot. Mm. So work, like, what are we going to do? For work, <laughs> there's so, no van to drive and there's no merch table to run. Yeah, yeah. then what am I gonna do? Now I'm 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 a jack of all trades. Like I can, I can um, I'm a handyman. I can paint. I can fix stuff. I can like build. I can plumb. Uh, I can dig ditches. I can clean yards. I can. There's a lot of shit I can do. But one of the things I really love to do is working bars and restaurants and nightclubs because I know what I'm doing. I have a skill set for that. Which you is, you, it's always amazing to me how many people do not. Where it's like, <laughs> why do you act like this is your first time doing this? You've, you've, this know, is right? what you do, right? I mean. <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, should we, should I jump off and get a job? I was just talking to my dear Roberta today. I was like, I, you know, I wake up in the morning thinking, I got to fucking get a job, man. Like, should I get a job right now? Like a full-time job back in the, back at the grind? I'm like, mm, no, let's keep, let's keep doing so. I, I mean, I'm promoting some events yeah, here and there, but nothing regular. Like I'm not, I can set up a New Year's Eve show and now I've got, I've got two shows next month and I've got a big festival in March, but I got to work man you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. And it's and an interesting just... thing that you bring up it's hard to balance it's hard to balance if you want to get serious about music it's fucking hard to have a job yeah and, and you we, you yeah. have to be very aggressive about carving out space to do it like you have to want it like you have to you have to <laughs> it yeah. has to be important enough to you to think really think ahead for it and yeah which rock and roll and thinking ahead is not always <laughs> Yeah. They don't always uh, match up, really. I know. I know. It's been a lifelong balance, and I've never been good at it. But shit got done. So I just, I think I think these days what I'm learning is just let it be, be grateful Yeah. Uh, about all the rad stuff that 
comes if if you work at these little things here and there and just let it be and 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 the next indicated step will come when i gotta pay some bill and i don't have the money to pay it yeah i might have to go hustle man but right now i'm you know right now it's okay, okay so <laughs> exactly why why be obsessed with changing that you know but but i'm always you know i love that business and i'm always I'm always dreaming about it. Like I, I'll pass a space that's for lease, and I'll be like, turn around, <laughs> go check it. Hmm. And then you just kind of start seeing it in yeah, your mind's eye, sort of game up. It and could be there, the stage over here. Right, right. Yeah, you know. And I'm always thinking of weird names for places and all, all that shit. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things, uh, Mario. This 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 has been awesome. I, I want to. Uh, circle back a little bit and I've had Dave on the show. It's been years, honestly. I should probably mm -hmm. have him on again. Uh, and I'm so, I'm very interested in the desert sessions that were there. And I, mm -hmm. as someone who partook of those, uh, could you tell me a little about that experience and, and what that was like? Because I think, I think ranch is a very special place and those are very interesting records. And I think a lot of people, as you might imagine, people who listen to the show tend to be, a lot of them are creative, and I think it tends to be something that people love hearing about. So as someone that was there uh, for some of it. Yeah, Rancho de la Luna is very special. And what made it special, um, it always had this, this open vibe of, anything's possible here <laughs> anything's possible um my first experiences there was recording with brant and uh with brant and tony and tony mason was the engineer there when it was just 16 track reel to reel and um I went there and played some guitar on, I think the first few records Brant made there, I, he'd always call me to go up and jam on a song or two sure. and, and sing. Then, <clears throat> then the Desert Sessions thing happened shortly after, it was like shortly after that. Same vibe. Show up with these, you know, these friends of Josh's that were colleagues from relationships and music and everybody get together and kind of like the rubber snake charmers idea. Uh, since I went off on that for so long, if you, if you take all that shit, I said about the, the, the having that thing in common with people that like that musical conversation that you have with, like-minded musicians well that that that's what what josh did with the de desert sessions and uh and it was also been my relationship with brant too over the years it was like there was this like we spoke the same language musically yeah um but had totally different things to say so getting together and doing stuff uh it was easy it was always easy and um you know, I've my my I'm trying to remember the first 
so when I showed up to the desert sessions thing, those guys were in mid session and I was coming from work. So I had to get off work at the restaurant. Sure. Yeah. And they were, they were like, Josh was a, you know, he was a lifer musician at that point. So he didn't have some day job to show up. His day job was music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was at the studio all day tracking that, that experience for most of the people involved it was an immersive camp of creation where for me it was three hours that i got way too drunk and <laughs> no seriously dude i'm i'm credited on the vinyl as boomer uh love you know vocals guitar and drinky poos <laughs> So I showed I, I I showed up yeah in my you know fucking with an ice chest and vodka and orange juice and Red Bulls or something I don't remember and um, and my drinking buddy and the 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 idea was pitched to me when I I did a short tour with the Queens I filled in for Dave Ketching. Yeah, yeah. And I and and while we were on that trip, uh, Josh said, um, the "Heavy metal animated movie, heavy metal is going to they're going to redo this and they're going to put us on the soundtrack." And I want they want us to write a song for this for this soundtrack, and. Um, let's let's do something together let's be let's let's do that okay so he started working on the music which was millionaire you know oh sure yeah 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 na, 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 na. yeah 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 fucking driving badass yeah. hard rock song and and um and i was like struggling like think i had i was gonna write lyrics and sing on the song and I and I and I struggling thinking of a theme that fit this fucking movie. Anyway, that kind of all changed, but it was still there. That was kind of the, the the thing in my mind, in the memory now, that like we're writing this song for this thing. But I remember I came in <clears throat> and I and I was sitting there, I had no lyrics prepared or anything. Uh he's like, here's the track we're doing. Banana, banana, and I was like, "Wow, dude! All right, that's fucking badass." All right, oh, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? So I started thinking, drinking, and thinking, and I had my pad, and I'm sitting on the couch at Rancho, and I'm just looking at all the fucking curios, all the shit. That, There's a lot of stuff you know, to look at, yeah. A lot of stuff to look at, <laughs> and the first thing I look at was. There's this sculpt, this bull, this Toreador sculpture from Mexico. Mm -hmm. It was, a, it was a, a sculpture piece, something you put on your mantle. And, it, and the bottom was made of glass and the top was bronze or something. And it was a Toreador. It was a bull in full horn in, in charge and the Toreador, you know. And I was like, that's fucking rad. And it was plugged in 
and it had like a light it had a light glowing from the bottom and like cascading up onto the sculpture and i was like that's rad so i'm gonna write that down i'll just write that so i looked at that and i was like red bull with the light from below not red bull the drink but the bull because the glass was red the color yeah the color was cascading on the so i wrote that line red bull with the light from below and i was like okay what's next and i looked down at my <laughs> bottle and i was like even fortified with the liquor store and i was like the bull again give me toro give me smart like i was just like the bull and being drunk and the shit on the wall on, on the wall at rancho <laughs> yeah, is yeah yeah what is basically what that song is, is about it was just that is it and that was the nature of 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 the 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 collaborations of desert sessions yeah was get together there exchange your musical communication I'll throw out an idea. What's your response to that idea? And that's that's why those things are so fucking rad because because one, the curation of musicians was tastefully done. And all the people that Josh has been fortunate enough to work with, and and because his talent is great, they work with him. And so, you know, he 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 know he has good taste. And he, the, peop, the people that were his friends in the early days that he was collaborating with or touring with or, you know, he played in the Screaming Trees for a little while. That's right. So he got, he knew all these fucking rad musicians from up in Seattle and, and all that shit. You know, the relationship with Lanigan, think of all the music that that fucking spawned. Yeah. I mean, fuck, man, it's magical stuff, man. You know, and they're all those guys are all so pedal to the metal that something was bound to happen that was brilliant, you know. And and so all that stuff, all the guys, I mean, fuck sake, PJ Harvey's involved in that thing. You know, the people that are involved in those desert sessions, they're no joke. You know, these are these are the some of the some of the important artists of of our time you know and and so that that was like in the rock in rock and in our weird music scene yeah. i mean you know um so i you know i'm really grateful to be part of it but my my part was was a you know a drunken stab at jumping in the pool with these people that were immersed in this thing yeah and i remember sitting there listening to the music and i was like fuck man i wish i was here this morning so i couldn't play guitar on that yeah i wish i would and once again you know i was like i couldn't immerse myself because i was at the restaurant i was making bread you know so it's that balance it's, uh, yeah it's a trip but those, but those desert sessions um they're 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 amazing and they are worthy of their legendary status because Rancho is a magical place, always will be. Yeah. And Fred was a magical person that his, you know, his, his vibe, what he set up there, what he created there, 
it, it, no matter who runs it or what, and Dave has done a wonderful job continuing that because, you know, him and Fred were, were, were uh, buddies and colleagues and there's no better person, but, but it, it's just, um, it's a, there's a spirit there that, that will always be incredible. But it, 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 but back then it was like, fuck, man, like all those guys were just really hands on. And it was um, a special place to, to do that. And, and I think that's why he continues to go back there to do it, yeah, you know? Exactly. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So that's, but, you know, I, I was part of two of them and, um, and uh, I just dab, I just stuck my toe in, man. I stuck my toe in. I did thing, did the thing. There, there was one session that wasn't at, um, at Rancho. It was at Goss's studio, which was called oh, Monkey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that was when he first, and that was the, the cool thing about that. It was the the like I witnessed the birth of the. Uh, uh, what what I consider the, the real Eagles of Death Metal was birthed there in that studio during those sessions. And then the Eagles of Death Metal grew to be this insane live touring <laughs> this, band. This is big, yeah, there's like a big live band. band. It's a rock and roll show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, and, and, and they went through a lot of shit. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but that, that was... Um, that was an incredible session. Those desert sessions at that studio were fucking rad. There's a lost track from that session called "The Ambassador of Porn," <laughs> and it was it was Fatso Jetson with Josh. Oh wow! Playing guitar, yeah. So it was Fatso, it was me, Larry, and Tony with Josh playing guitar and me singing. And, and there was one track that uh, we did. We did. Um, we did three tracks. We did uh, Eccentric Man. The Groundhog Song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, we did Eccentric yeah. Man. And we did Junior High Love. I think I played guitar on that. And we did some other punk rock song. But we did this song called Ambassador of Porn. And it's fucking lost, man. I don't, uh, we don't know where it oh, is. We terrible. Don't know what, what hard drive. But it was a badass song. Anyway, so that's all. But we, yeah, with the Desert Sessions thing, I just... I wish I had more stories about all the guys and stuff. By the time I got there, it was like Dave and Tony and Josh and me and my friend Kevin. And that was it, man. And like, I wasn't there with everyone tracking and I came and it was time for me to do my vocal and I didn't have any lyrics prepared. My whole experience was like sitting there listening to the track. Those guys were making dinner. I was drinking and trying to come up with lyrics and <laughs> yeah. And it was and I was, I love the way it came out. It was great. And yeah. the Queens ended up recording it and it and it opened Yeah, you know, it opens the, the song on I, and, I think their yeah. biggest record, right? I mean like Yeah, they, they like I would see them live when they were like kicking ass, you know. Yeah. They're, they're always kicking ass, I guess. But you know, when they were, you know, headlining the, the Nokia Theater and and they opened with that song. I'm like, wow, 
or you know and they're closed with it or whatever yeah. and it's so cool it's really cool but um so anyway so real quick uh because you've been very generous with your time it's been awesome yeah i, I can imagine people are <laughs> Checked out on this. It's no, no, no. It's a, it's it's a long it's a long form show, my brother. You're, you're oh, okay, good. good. Uh, I do want to talk about the live from the Total Annihilation uh, release. Oh, good. Um, Eddie is a friend uh, and an old friend. He's actually been on this show as well. Uh, I used to play shows with Leopold a lot and um, Stored a Pony and all that uh, since they, since they came back. Really cool release, and I feel like it didn't maybe quite get as much attention because it kind of came out. There's a bunch of like releases that sort of came out during the COVID, and then people didn't really know what was going on, and et cetera, et cetera. But very good representation of both bands, I think. Oh yeah, well, it was a unique experience, man. It was a. I still, I'm like, man, should we have worn the masks? God damn it, you know, it's so weird. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we we um. We, it was just the way it was at the studio at that time. It was still, it was just when stuff was barely, it still wasn't lifted completely. Yeah, yeah. And we were like, well, this is what's going on. So we're going to wear the mask. Um, and then that way it's kind of rad because we did make a video. Uh, the original idea was Meg and Tony came up with their they wanted to do a live stream or some sort of something during COVID uh, to stay creative. Yeah. And they came up with the idea. So we did two sessions, one all souls and one with Fatso. And we had three guys with cameras. We went to Eddie's studio. We set up, we got sounds and we played four songs. Yeah. And that was it. And um, the sound was so great that we decided it's... to Sounds great. Yeah, it came out good. <laughs> I think so, we, yeah. We decided to pitch it to uh, a label I, I've worked with, with Yawning Man, called Ripple Music. Great, very supportive label. They're amazing, really cool people. And um, they were like, sure. So, you know, we pressed it up and, and made CDs and vinyl of it. And... Um, and then now you can, you can just go to YouTube, I believe, and the whole performance is the whole up things on right YouTube. there. Yeah. yeah. So and and the other, it's been a time of splits. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, you got a new one. Got, you got that. The, yeah, the, yeah, I gotta talk about this, man. It's really important too because we almost forgot. I had a, this is the one note I had was to remember to talk about that. I almost totally forgot. So thank you we're for doing, remembering. Yeah, we're doing a fundraiser. Yep. Uh, a GoFundMe to um pay for this record it's with desert records i don't know how my phone yeah the phone's not gonna look i'll okay. put it in the uh, i'll put it in the show notes I, yeah I, I so got it's it um there's a gofundme if you go to fatso jetson facebook or instagram fatso jetson band you'll see the posts there and if you have any inclination to support this release all it is basically is you're like pre-ordering. So right. But the cool thing about pre-ordering while this fundraiser is on is you get like other groovy stuff. Excuse me. You get like perks, you know, rather than just pre-ordering it from a distributor or from some record store, you get some groovy stuff. Um, but the cool thing about this is it's 
It's all new music. There's a collaboration with my dear friend, Sean Wheeler, and we did a beautiful um, kind of Roots Americana tune with uh, a friend of mine from here in Morongo Valley, Gar, uh, Gar Williams, playing uh, lap steel and um, all new music. And, and, and they also recorded at Eddie's studio. So there's that. We also did this recording at Total Annihilation um, in kind of the very same way. It was like just we just threw it down live pretty much. And then I kind of went nuts with yeah. it after that. But but <clears throat> a band on the other side of the split is a band who's been around the desert for like 30 years. Dolly's Lama, they're called. And <clears throat> and Zach and Erica are husband and wife. These people in this band, with the exception of the drummer, well, he's a, a, a dear guy as well, but the other people in the band, I've known these people since we were kids, like little kids. Oh, man. Um, Zach, uh, the guitar player, singer, and Joe Dillon, the other guitar player. Like, I go back to 14 years old with these guys, like, as long as I've known Sean. Um, they're, they're Palm Springs guys, and I was a Palm Desert guy. I was originally a Palm Springs guy, but went to Palm Desert uh, for junior high and stuff. But known these guys from the punk scene in Palm Springs since we were kids. So it's really cool. It, the, that There's history in this split in yeah. a way that it's really some veteranos of the desert punk scene, you know? Yeah, and there's a lot of cool things. There's like a you can get like a download in like a an art print. There's vinyl. There's CDs. There's like a pedal or something. If I yeah, there's right. a yeah. there's a desert rap pedal, and if you're <laughs> if you're a guitar pedal guy, Rats. it's pretty rad. And yeah. this dude makes badass pedals. I have one. I have two. Uh, I've got a bass overdrive and a and a guitar uh, distortion. I'll call it. But this pedal. <clears throat> is based on the it's kind of based on the schematic of the old rap pedal yeah but he mods that design and it's called a desert rap which is rad tony so from, anyway, tony yeah. from my band uh, swears by that pedal and he has a uh, i think it's a similar mod uh, that uh, rebecca from multi cult uh, does oh cool called the robo trip i think <laughs> if i remember correctly but it's a, it's a similarish mod and it's, it sounds beastly like it's fantastic you know yeah if you if you yeah. like cool bass sounds <laughs> yeah the yeah the rap pedal i've used for both bass and guitar and it's it, great on guitar has, also yeah you get that it, real it's true yeah now, talking about great again it was like when we were kids like if you had a PV amp and a rap pedal, you could get pretty close. To you can get right in the neighborhood. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm doing it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's coming out on Desert Records, uh, rad bedroom label out of New Mexico, Albuquerque. And Brad Fry is a good dude, and he is a big supporter of underground rock and roll. And he does this thing. He's, he works nine to five. He's got a family. He does this with passion. And uh, he's, you know, you mentioned D D I Y D Y I D D I Y, and he—that's him. So right, right. you know, 
we're 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 hoping people pre-order it because it's expensive to make records. Sure. Hey, yes, it is. We're trying to get <laughs> yes, get some support on it, but but what you know, all that being said, there's some gnarly shit going on in the world in supporting making records is probably the last thing people should do but if it gives you some joy and you got the extra money and you're all everybody's fed and the gas is in the tank then you know order a record man that'd be rad yeah it's uh desert blood it's called desert legends volume four um but the the theme isn't that we're desert legends it's actually based on the old spaghetti western kind of thing of desert legends yeah no i which is I got that. <laughs> Although it, it, if you're yeah. in a, if you're in on the joke, it it does work for a couple different ways too. Exactly. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes so folks can check it out. Uh, Mario, this has been great, man. Thank you so much for doing it. I know it, it kind of took us a while to get it together, but uh, very very honored to have you on the show and have you be oh, the okay. first show of 2023. Actually, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Connor, man. Uh, yeah. it was great. Great talking to you, and it was great playing with you recently. Yes, I would love to do it again sometime. Shows with you, and I hope we do it again. Yeah, you, you have to let me return the favor. <laughs> you have to Fuck let, yeah! You, oh, you, I'll get you, you out here. Bet your ass. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, last thing, can question, choose to interpret oh. it however you like. Why do you do what you do? Oh boy. Well, if I didn't answer that question in the last two hours, I I, I can't add anything more. To that. Refer to my <laughs> my earlier conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll refer to the early conversation. No, why do I do what I do? I, I have to. I have to. I have to. It's part of my uh, what makes me tick, man. I love it. I love it. I I love it, and uh, it's fun, and it it grounds me, and um, it adds beauty and magic and fucking awesomeness to my life. And that's why I do it. I, for one, I'm glad that you do my friend. Right on. Thank you. Take care, brother. <laughs> All right. Be, be well. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I, I'll get in on that Kickstarter before it ends because I totally forgot about it until today. So, <laughs> All, right. All right, brother. Take care. All right, there he goes. Boomer himself, Mr. Mario Lolly. Let's hear a song to play us out. Let's do a Fatso song. And um, yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. I'll do the normal uh, spiel a little later on. But uh, here you go. This is something off Idle Hands. This is Nervous Eater.
Nervous Eater. Of Vital Hands, a record we pretty much didn't talk about it all, but I like quite a bit. That came out in 2016. That's Fatso Jetson. You can find Fatso Jetson on? on the internet, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, they got a band camp. It's great. Uh, again, this Kickstarter, it's at Desert Records. Legends of the Desert Volume 3. I'm going to throw that link in the show notes so you can go get that. Uh, I'd like to give a huge thank you to Mr. Mario Lolly. Uh, that was a great time. Love that dude. Of course, the name of this show is Code of New Transport Tonic Reversal. Thank you very much for listening to it. The show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Right here on RadioNope.com, YouTube, Twitch, all the things. Broadcast live, podcast later. Archives at RotonicReversal.com. Always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. But if you like the show and you want to get episodes sooner, well, $1 a month at Patreon.com slash RotonicReversal will gladly, and I mean gladly, achieve that goal. Thanks, everybody, for sharing the show around, Signing liking off. the videos, sending it to a friend, leaving reviews, as cheeseballs it is, helps fight the almighty algorithm of which we all must be in the sway of. Always appreciated. Uh, got an ambitious 2023, just like, just like the last year and year before. That's all ambitious, folks. 50,000 watts of power. A couple cool announcements. Nothing I can share right now, unfortunately, but just stay tuned. Stay tuned. Subscribe if you don't on whatever the thing is you listen to. This or watch it on whatever. That always helps. Uh, Other than that, yeah, let's just, let's try to be good to each other, huh? This microphone turns sound Lord knows we could use it. Electricity. <laughs> stay safe out there. Can you hear me now? Out on Check you later. Route 128, dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day, See?